0: Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. In 40 days spent in the wilderness in prayer and reflection, Jesus faced temptation, just as you and I do every day. But Jesus' response to temptation was always that of integrity. Can the same be said for you and me? That's the subject of today's message which is based on the story of Jesus' time in the wilderness as recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And it begins with some thoughts on temptation itself. Well, as I mentioned before, our text for this morning is all about temptation. And let's be honest about this up front, friends. Temptation is something we all know a little bit about, right? I am reasonably certain, in fact, that every one of us sitting here this morning, every one of you who are watching online, could right now very easily name a time in our lives, maybe even recently, when we found ourselves caught in the tension of a choice between good and evil or at least between something good and something not so good. For instance, the temptation to utter, shall we say, a little white lie for the sake of getting ourselves off the hook, for some offense or another. The temptation maybe to take a few shortcuts ethically in order to gain more of an advantage than we might otherwise have had. The temptation to let our emotions move us in a direction in which both attitude and action become negatively effective, Or, for that matter, the temptation to create some kind of rationalization after the fact for doing that which we know we shouldn't have been doing in the first place. Like I said before. We all know a little bit about temptation because, in fact, temptations are everywhere. The Reverend Dr. Joseph Stowell, in his book, which is entitled Simply Jesus, has a lot to say about this, actually. Stowell writes that temptations, quote, show up in moments of victory and they leer at us in the midst of despair. They dress like money. They wear fine perfume and rich cologne. They they go high tech on the internet. They make anger seem sweet, and they offer bitterness as a five-star luxury. Temptation, Stowell goes on to say, lure us into giving into our doubts and to live for what seems right at the moment. They love what feels good. In short, Stowell concludes, and I love this phrase, they offer the sizzle of sin for a season. (laughs) Bottom line, at least it seems, is that while we all know a little bit about temptation, it might also be true that we understand more about the attraction of the sizzle of sin than we'd like to admit which makes it all the more interesting that one of the first glimpses we have of Jesus in the Gospels is as he's in the midst of temptation. Yes, temptation. Yes, the very one who taught us that when we pray to God, we should say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The same one who meets us in the midst of temptation every kind of temptation that we face, the same one was himself tempted. Tempted in much the same way that you and I are tempted. But, and here's the thing, unlike how all too often we respond in such situations, what we find is that Jesus' response to temptation is always one of integrity integrity understand i'm using that word very purposefully the word integrity actually comes from the latin word integer integer which means to be whole intact untouched pure complete to have integrity then involves living with a profound sense of wholeness it is that quality of having one's whole life match up to the claims of one's words or to put it still another way it's walking the talk when we are hurting and needy or doing so when we're feeling under pressure or worst of all when nobody's looking In other words, integrity is not always going to be easy, and at times it's going to be a struggle. And this is where we find Jesus, who at the very beginning of his public ministry and in the midst of spending 40 days in the wilderness in prayer and reflection, what the late Frederick Buechner once described as a time Jesus spent asking himself the question of what it meant to be Jesus. This is the place and the time where Jesus was tempted. And and also, let's, let's make no mistake about this. Jesus was really and truly and in every respect tempted, as it says in the letter to the Hebrews, tempted as we are. And so our text today, the one that Kay just shared with us, actually depicts a a time of genuine conflict for Jesus. Genuine conflict, and why wouldn't it be? Remember here that though we understand that Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human. And so it follows that that in these 40 days spent in the wilderness, Jesus would have been at his most vulnerable, hungry and, and tired, emotionally and spiritually drained. In short, he was in the same kind of place you and I have so often and so easily find ourselves. Moments in weakness, in vulnerability, when all those temptations of life seem all the more appealing to us. It is no small point, you know, to to notice that for Jesus, this is precisely the place where the devil comes to call, where the tempter, as he's also referred to here, when he comes and what he does is, in truth of fact, to challenge Jesus' very integrity, his wholeness, his very identity. Now, theologically, we understand that these temptations of Christ correctly tell us a whole lot about Jesus' identity as a son of God. But I would also say to you this morning that these three challenges that Matthew tells us about Jesus' integrity are really, when you get down to it, actually very basic temptations within the human experience. And they serve to tell us something about our own integrity amidst all the temptations of life. For instance, there's the first temptation, what might be called the temptation- to an easy pathway. Matthew tells us in his gospel that the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, notice that doubt is established right away, you know, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And why not? Because as we said before, Jesus was hungry, very hungry. And a simple little rock transformation might just be the ticket to see him through. Now, that said, I seriously doubt that any of us have ever been seriously tempted to make stones become bread. But it is probably safe to say we have been tempted to do what's easy or what's convenient. All for the sake of some short-term, albeit very attractive, short-term reward. To quote Pat Williams from his book, which is entitled How to Be Like Jesus, will, quote, take the easy path of self-gratification instead of the rugged road of growing the soul, unquote. And we can do that. We can take the easy way. We, we do it all the time. It's okay. Nothing really happens because of it. But you see, in the process of taking that easy pathway instead of the rugged road of growing the soul, we end up losing a bit of ourselves. Well, Jesus had integrity. And Jesus knew it was not going to be physical food, but spiritual sustenance that that was going to satisfy the real hunger here. And it was what he needed. I love, by the way, how the message paraphrases this particular verse. He says to the devil... It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. See, what Jesus understood is so often what you and I miss in this life. That it's neither the abundant blessings that we clamor for, nor the easy pathway that we seek that ultimately sustains us, that gives us the life that we are so yearning for. In the end, always, It's God himself. And when we understand that, when it's that relationship with God that becomes the preeminent value of our existence, then we're no longer willing to to trade it away for something far less. We look at the big picture. We play the long game. We know that what God has to give us is much better than whatever short-term satisfaction we can gain So man does not live by bread alone. But also then consider the second temptation, which we might call the temptation to recklessness. This is when uh, the devil tempts Jesus to throw himself off the, the highest point in the temple because God would most certainly, if he were to tumble, send angels to lift him up. Now for us, Simply put, it's the temptation to live as though we are immortal. And not just in the sense that, you know, sometimes we think when we're young that we can never die, we can never get in trouble, we'll never, you know, have any tragedies occur. But that we can do things without consequence. That there are no laws, no ethical or moral standards, no consequences for whatever we choose to do at the moment. In other words, it's the all-too-human attitude of live fast and die hard. It's you only live once. It's it is what it is. However it is, it's okay. Whatever happens, happens. And of course... You know, I dare say as we get older, we begin to understand this a little bit more. Some do, some don't, but, but we should, and most of us do learn to know better than that. But you see, the sizzle of this particular sin is that we do what we want, even if that means engaging in behaviors that are not only reckless and self-endangering, but also manages to hurt others along the way. It's a sin of false identity because we're trying to be something that we're not and what we've never been meant to be. Well, Jesus' answer to this is a firm rebuttal. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, don't experiment when it's clear there's a right way and a wrong way to go. If you jump off a building, friends, you will discover beyond a shadow of a doubt that the law of gravity works. And so, likewise, when you choose to move beyond the moral and ethical laws that God has given us, there are going to be negative consequences for ourselves and others. When we try to be somebody we are not, when we try to, to, to live for the day to the extent that we neglect what this day, this week, this year, this life is about, it's not going to end well. It's a matter of cause and effect, you see. And to have true integrity means that you're going to live and work within those guidelines for life that you know from God are to be true and right and moral and real. It's not to say you aren't gonna make mistakes. It's not to say you're gonna take a wrong turn, uh, take a different, less desirable pathway from time to time. But it does mean that sometimes you realize you gotta get back on the right path. And in that, that's integrity. And in that regard, friends, let me just add this, that personal integrity does matter in this world. There are always going to be gray areas in life that we will struggle to sort out. Believe me when I say to you that there is not as much moral ambiguity out there as we like to think that there is. Sometimes life's answers are more black and white than we'd really like to admit. To have integrity like Jesus is to know and live the difference. And finally, there's a third temptation of Christ, the temptation power. This is in which Jesus is offered all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, but it all comes at a price. All this I will give you, the tempter says, if, if, you will fall down and worship me. Now, We need to understand that for Jesus, this was the ultimate question of just exactly who he was. Indeed, his very allegiance and oneness with God was being challenged here for the sake of power and status and control in the world. Actually, this is one of those that I really can be sure that none of us have been offered all the kingdoms of the world. But it is a pretty relevant challenge for us. After all, we do live in a culture where leadership is key. We dwell in a time in which we are constantly, relentlessly encouraged to be successful people of influence. All that's true. But the point here is that we are to be people of influence in the right way. And in the right, for the right reasons. How we grow and become and excel in this world and in this life can never be at the cost of our relationship with God. In our text today, we we see Jesus as a man of true integrity. We meet him there in the wilderness living the way he always lived, living and leading with humility rather than pride in service to god rather than in service to himself with love for others overriding that desire for power jesus knew who and whose he was for it is written he says to the devil quoting scripture no less nice move worship the lord your god it says serve only him So many covet the kind of power that will put them in the center of life. So many covet the power that will put them in the center of their circle, in their families, with their friends. They just want to be at the center of everything and thus become influential. But what we see in Jesus is that it is in knowing God and living what we believe that's what's going to bring influence that will change the world for the better. At the end of this story from Matthew, we're told that the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and attended to Jesus. I find it very interesting that that's Matthew's way of closing the story. In Luke's version of the story, the devil retreats, but it is to wait to a more opportune time so those two verses combined tell us two things first of all it gives us an idea of how much of a struggle this was for jesus and how exhausting that experience must have been because when it was all over he stood in the need of angels care but as luke tells the story it also reminds us that the devil, the tempter, the temptations never really go away. They're always there, always set before us, always challenging who we are and whose we are. It is, you see, exhausting for us to hold on to our integrity as Christians in these times and in our lives. But in all of that, here's the good news. What Jesus received from the angels, the care that he received there, we find it in the heart of Jesus. Jesus had integrity. And he's able to give you and me strength to resist the temptations that we face, the large ones and the little ones. The same things that challenge our integrity day in and day out. He can do it. As we read in the letter to the Hebrews, I pulled from this a few moments ago, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. What does all this mean? This means that Jesus does understand the temptations we face. And because of this, Jesus promises to give us grace and mercy to help us in our times of need and assures us that he will be present in the midst of whatever crisis identity we're facing at any given moment. Indeed, the journey of life is long, with many a winding turn as the song goes, and it is fraught with danger and uncertainty and every matter of temptation you could name. But the good news, which is our good news, friends, is that every step along that way of life, Jesus walks with us. That he's leading us in the ways of faith and integrity, and thus he leads us in the pathway of true discipleship. We have been strengthened, beloved. We have been empowered. And so we can boldly, confidently, joyfully continue along our pathways of life. That journey continues. So as we go forward now, may our thanks be to God. Amen. and Amen. And that's the message entitled, Integrity. Recorded during our February the 5th, 2023 service of worship at East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. Where, by the way, we invite you to join us in person for worship each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord. I would love to have the opportunity to meet you and to welcome you to our church, and I know you'll be glad you came. And that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I thank you for listening today, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.